0: That's heritageradionetwork.org/15 to donate and enter to win today, and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food and drink lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila, delicious and smooth tequila, meaning harmony with the earth. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. Forty percent alcohol by volume. Drink responsibly.
3: So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll. Lord no. knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil his groove in that rhythm and blues that's him. It's gonna get you. Some in
4: the air. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. I'm Southern Teague.
3: I'm Greg Benson.
4: Guys, 10 years of Negroni week.
1: I know, it's wild. Uh, Yeah, getting into it at all the bars here in New York City and uh, all over the world. I mean, it's crazy this year how many participants there are.
4: Used to be my birthday week, um, like early June, but I guess we're uh, switching things up. Everything, time is, time, we can't depend on time. Isn't it
3: (laughs) it still early June or like late? It's got to be
1: late June at the absolute latest at this point.
4: Well, is it it's I mean, September it right today.
1: now? <laughs> <laughs> well, today's Wednesday. It started on Monday. We're halfway yeah. through Negroni Week already. <laughs> uh, I like that the format changed a little bit. I, I didn't notice that the date had slid, but the format changed this year so that um, you everyone gives to the same charity. You used to choose your own charities, and it was kind of like right. uh, checking. there was no check and balance. Who knows if people gave to the charities or not, or just used it as a as a promotional deal so now everyone gives to the same charity it's slow foods and they then disseminate they're like a they're like a foundation they disseminate to charities all over the world local charities to all those spaces so i think that's a pretty cool methodology um instead of everybody having to choose their own
4: yeah instead of me donating to my own guitar fund you know it's like it actually goes somewhere where it's needed (laughs)
1: Long-standing charity that's been around and, and, <laughs> and done some good work in its in its time.
4: <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs>
1: uh, but I'm excited about it. You know, uh, always at Amori Margo, we've you know the Negroni is certainly one of the rocks we built the church on there. And I think uh, you know it's just good to remind people to come in and have have some bitter drinks. Let's get it on. You know, I love that it's uh, it's sponsored by Imbibe and Campari and by Magazine and Campari, of course. But but the rules are just to make, make Negroni's and Negroni riffs. So, you know, that's that's one third of what we do there. So we're always excited for Negroni's in general. Okay. But Negroni Week's a little extra push for us.
4: Yeah, pretty big time. I mean, knowing that the cocktail itself is, what, 103 years old now. And it took about 93 of those years for it to, like, really become a thing. That, like, you know, I think I've told you a story before, but I went in to go grab some Campari at Trader Joe's uh, about six months ago, and they have a freaking bottle Negroni right next to the Campari. Like, mm-hmm. Trader Joe's branded bottle mm-hmm. Negroni. Yeah. So wow. it's kind of crazy to see where like bitters have gone in just a short amount of time. Speaking of bitters, don't you have a new line coming out?
1: I do. Well, line is a strong word, but a new flavor. Uh, so I dropped driftwood last sort of Christmas right. time, which was cinnamon and grapefruit. And so in about two weeks, maybe three weeks, I'll have what um, we're calling it, garden party, and it is a ginger cucumber and basil bitters this time i made a thousand bottles because i made a 500 bottles of driftwood and it went so fast i think a lot of people got disappointed by not being able to grab any so i made twice as much um and again we'll have them out in about three weeks if uh, if you want to go to my instagram or twitter handle there's a link in bio that can get you on a, um an email list that i'm going to drop to the people who give me their email I'll drop the uh, the news a couple days early, so everybody on the email list gets kind of first right of refusal. Everyone who bought in the past is already on that email list, so they'll get a they'll get a little message a couple days in advance, so that they can be sure to grab some. Um, nice. so it's gonna it's gonna be great. Um, it is delicious. It's got some some like zippy bits from from ginger, some super herbaceousness from basil, and a nice cooling cucumber finish. It's it's delightful.
4: Heck yeah! Can't wait to try it.
1: Did you even get a driftwood? I don't think you did. Did you?
4: No, I didn't. I...
1: I'll make sure you, nah, neither, you neither did I, it.
3: we, we got, Sorry we got guys. turned away. Well, we, went we-, up,
1: <laughs> we went up
3: to a Marga when we waited in line behind the velvet rope and the giant man you had there told us that we weren't <laughs> on the list. So I well, don't know. It, it, I, I'm, clearly my invitation got lost in the mail or something. Suther. It,
1: it went very, very quickly, um, and uh, yeah. In fact, uh, it went so quickly we, we we oversold. So I had to t- disappoint some people by saying you you thought you got it and you didn't. Oh, wow. um, but I'll make sure I will make sure that you guys get a bottle of this stuff.
4: Nice. I'll Thanks, set man.
1: some aside right away. That's uh, they're hand numbered and all, uh, uh, I sign each bottle, so it's, you know gives it a little personalization, makes people know that I care about them, and I don't know. I'm excited about it.
4: Yeah, and a personalized haiku.
3: How much does your hand hurt after signing like a thousand of these tiny little bottles personally?
1: Yeah, it's not great. Um, but, (laughs) uh, but it's worth it. And I think it makes it, you know, it gives it a little special feel because here's what's happening. Um, driftwood did so well that we're going to bring it back this holiday season. So you will get a bottle guys. We're not going to number those. So that way, if you got the first round, you feel like you got the special thing. Uh, it says where, where the number was now, it just says second bottling. Um, and then even though this started as a one-off as a hobby, uh selling driftwood, um, I'm gonna create two more flavors next year. And then once I have all four flavors created, we're gonna launch them as a line. That's awesome, man. So, and I
3: love and I do yeah. love the idea of like, you know, launching as something that's got that that sort of personal feel, you know. I think that's I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that we go to dive bars, you know, is like we like there's something that feels very hands-on about sitting in a place that like feels lived in and feels like actual people have touched with their actual hands, you know. It's 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 nice.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh speaking of dive bars, mm-hmm. uh or or I guess what is the what is it? A neo dive bars. Yes. Uh in the studio with us today, we have Samantha Reiner who is the general manager of Porchlight and all around woman about town when it comes to cocktails. Samantha, hey, what's up? How are you?
5: Hi, I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me.
3: Of course. Thanks so much for coming on. So, yeah. So I, I, again, because I went to Segway camp during our summer break, I I feel like I might have almost (laughs) done. uh,
1: You nailed it. You nailed it. I was, I saw it coming and I was so excited. (laughs) Boom.
3: Set set it up. Knock him down, man. That's what we do. I have maybe three more of these left before we go back to stumbling over ourselves again. but I do I do feel like perhaps I might have uh, undersold a little bit about what Porchlight is with that with that uh, segue as buttery smooth as it was. So can you can you tell us a little bit about that and why you you sort of self-identify as a neo dive and and what you're trying to do over there?
5: Yeah, totally. I think you know, so Porchlight is Union Square hospitality Group's uh, first standalone bar concept. Um, We opened in 2015, and our whole kind of mantra was that, you know, we take what we do really seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously, you know, and um, I think everyone on the call knows Nick Bennett, our beverage director, and he, you know, just sort of took that mantra and ran with it, and, you know, all of this buzz now about the neo-dive, right, that it's a Casual, cool, laid back vibe that you know, like you mentioned, feels homey and super lived in. But also, you can get some real quality cocktails that are both really interesting but feel super approachable.
3: I mean, I I I really love that, and I want to sort of push you on this whole idea of neo dives because I do feel that there is a very tiny window between creating a spot that feels lived in and homey in a place that feels false. Like I always, I have this running joke with some friends about the, like the dive bar fluffer that goes to a bunch of places in Bushwick. And like, you know, he comes in and he has his special tools where he makes the floors just the right amount of sticky. You know, he takes his little Q-tips and like (laughs) very meticulously places the watermarks on the bathroom mirror. He has a little spray bottle full of pee and he gives it just two squirts on every single toilet. And he's like there, now it has that lived in bar, like dive bar feel. And there's something about that that can feel a little disingenuous. So sort of what what do you all do to you know to to be welcoming without feeling too uh, manufactured like that
5: well it sounds like that's that you have that job of the tie if anyone's
3: interested I am available this coming description week description written bushwick and bed Stuy only
5: <laughs> man uh, for yeah hire. I mean <laughs> the it's pretty cool. The building that we're in is from 1890. It was an old um, shipping warehouse for the railroads They used to just come right, right through the middle of the building. Um, And then it was later turned into the tunnel nightclub in the 80s and 90s. Um, And so so much of the architecture in this space is original to the building. So the floors in the main bar area are from 1890, the the beam work, the brick Um, Even most of the wood that we've used for the bar, some of our custom stools, things like that, we found a whole big pile of lumber in the basement when we moved in in 2015 and um, recreated it and kept it in the space. So it is this like really special architecture that you can't recreate, you know, because it is genuinely what this space always has been.
1: Yeah, and then of course your your approach really is about the bar and what comes over the bar. Talk about how the program sort of mimics that kind of like uh, I don't know. I think you said in your notes like sprucing up the divey cocktail and and again taking less taking it less seriously but making it seriously.
5: Totally. I mean, we have a Long Island iced tea and a Seven and Seven on draft, so I think that that kind of sums <laughs> yeah. it up. Um, but yeah, I mean, we make you know our own citrus sodas and things for those two cocktails. And instead of topping the Long Island off with Coca-Cola, we top it off with Angostura bitters for that same kind of effect. Um, you know, Nick always loves to run with something like a uh, Rusty Nail or um, what are some other ones that okay, he's a big Golden fan? Golden Cadillac
4: of? or a uh, Harvey Wallbanger, those kinds of like. Oh yeah. yeah.
5: The Harvey Wallbanger is a staple around here too. But, um, you know, but taking these things that are sometimes overlooked or that might have kind of fallen off, you know, as they're not proper um, cocktails, as some would say, and and kind of challenging that and just saying, like, why not? Like, we can make these really tasty and still have so much fun.
4: I mean, I think that Brussels sprouts are a perfect example of that. You know, it's like we we thought they were gross. A long time ago, and we've taken it to a next level, you know. <laughs> we, we've really turned uh, the mentality uh, in the, the outlook on Brussels sprouts around. But it's the same thing. It's like you can make – if you look at the the base of a lot of these cocktails, I mean, like the the origin of a lot of these cocktails that are kind of considered, quote, dive bar cocktails or just like kind of like 60s, 70s, 80s drinks that were kind of, you know, kind of trashy or whatever, like – you just break down the ingredients to what they are, but make the best version of that or, like, kind of tweak it and perfect it. Because, I mean, think about the... the I don't even know
1: if it's about tweaking and perfecting. You know, the drinks uh, survived because people thought they were good. But I think that sure. literally our tastes have changed. So we have to we have to. Re- well, that's what I mean. yeah. reorganize those ingredients to match the current taste value, you know?
4: Yeah, because, I mean, like, think about, like, uh, you said, a rusty nail. I mean, it's... Uh, scotch honey liqueur, and they also think about this. They also reformulated Drambuie like a few years ago, and so it's actually right. drier. And d- they proved it up a little bit. I'm, if I'm correct, if I am, didn't didn't they they proved it up a little bit?
1: Yeah, I believe so. And they de- yeah. definitely so. Not a, and it's definitely not as sweet anymore. So much drier, right? So drier, yeah, and, and then the drier and a higher uh, ABV make it even drier still. Yeah. yeah.
4: So there you go. I mean, like the, that alone already improved the drink, or at least modified. Fight it and uh, like modernized it, you know. So things like that that I think are really cool. I like taking the classics like that, and I mean, yeah, why not dump a bunch of Ango on top of a Long Island iced tea? I love that. I haven't had that, but I can already, yeah, now I taste want taste it. it. You know, <laughs> I now I want it.
5: It's fantastic.
4: Yeah, that's so cool. And like anyone that anyone that makes a Muppet of themselves, you know, like I I, I respect their uh, creativity. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes.
5: <laughs> I actually teach um, culinary management at the Institute of Culinary Education, and whenever their beverage module comes around, the projector screen comes down, and I throw up uh, videos of Nick talking through different cocktails for them to learn <laughs> through. And they're all looking at me like, "Are you? Is this real?" <laughs> like this isn't
4: like kindergarten. This is actually adult <laughs> school, <laughs> but, but
5: really you're great these great awesome videos.
4: Yeah, totally. You know- yeah,
5: and I think that kind of like speaks, you know, is right in line with our whole philosophy, you know, thinking of like the Neo Dive or also, you know, being so close to or in Hudson Yards, depending on how you look at it, like this whole area is like brand new and super shiny and, you know, a lot of it's lacking any kind of personality or warmth right And <laughs> character to be right? able to just, just character yeah. Yeah. i was gonna
3: say soul but to, yeah we're all on the same page
5: so to be able to like walk walk a block away and and open the door and show up here and it you know the smokers go in and mixing drinks there's music playing and everyone's just like happy to see you it's just that vibe of a dive bar right you know the whole everyone knows your name situation but we're doing five six hundred covers a night um it's really yeah
1: yeah <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> well you got a pretty incredible happy hour going up there which is certainly in line with the sort of dive bar mentality talk about that a little bit
5: yeah totally um so we have happy hour from three to seven every day and then all day on sunday because why not Damn. um and we offer four cocktails at eleven dollars we have a salty dog on there which is a great example. We make a um, salted grapefruit cordial that goes in there. Um, And then there's a mint julep, which is something I think is so awesome that you never really see on a happy hour menu. Um, And a daiquiri because of course, and we just added a dirty vodka martini on the rocks to our happy hour menu right? So
4: awesome.
5: (laughs) I mean, we really wanted to keep the prices where they were, you know, because I think an $11, well made cocktail in Manhattan is something special. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody knows all of the issues we've been facing with just the price of everything is going up, the cost of everything is just like, you know, not where it was a month ago, six months ago. And so, you know, we were kind of struggling with like, how do we keep this happy hour menu really fun and exciting. And like, we love that $11 point of entry and a uh, dirty rock martini on the rocks really hit the nail on the head there.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, again, to, uh, you know, I know a lot of our listeners are live, living in other places, but $11 for a cocktail in Manhattan is, is quite a steal. Um, Unheard of. Yeah. yeah. Especially especially, especially in
3: Chelsea. I mean, yeah,
1: wow. Yeah. Pretty pretty big deal, and you've got some cool snacks coming over the bar. It's not a restaurant. You mentioned at the top, it's USHG's uh, Union Square Hospitality Group's first standalone bar, and they've been saying first for a long time. Is there anything in the pipeline that's going to be a second, or is it, um, or is so it, or is it always have... just going to be their only standalone bar?
5: <laughs> um, so we do also operate the the Cedrics, the lobby bar at the shed. Um, I don't know if that then counts as standalone. Um, but there have been some other fun bar concepts that have popped up. Um, the pandemic got in the way a bit, but yeah, we, it's really great to see USHG um, as a whole. Like I feel over the past couple of years have been really putting a lot of attention and really strong talent behind the bar programs across the board. I saw you were just over at um, Manhattan so is that right?
1: Uh, yeah, I was up at Manhattan, which is another USHG pro- uh, project, gorgeous space. It's under a bit of remodel right now. And they asked me to come up and teach the entire team. So there's 45 people. That's incredible uh, about Amaro. So I did a, about an hour and a half talk with the team up there. It was really, really fun and exciting. And wow, what a view. Yeah. I mean, the students were all facing me and I'm facing them. And behind them is a floor to ceiling window overlooking, you know, lower Manhattan. Just fucking gorgeous.
5: It really is. But yeah, I mean, just... I don't know necessarily about the next plans for a standalone cocktail bar, but we'll keep you posted there, but it is really cool to see, you know, how strong all of the bar programs across USHG have, have really become over the last, I mean, years. when that
1: company puts its mind to something, they, they dig right in and get it done. So it's not a, a surprise by any means that they want to, you know, sort of raise the level of everybody involved. And that's great. The high tide raises all of us. Right.
5: Totally. And we just had, uh, headed down to tails, I guess it's not just anymore, but in July. And there were 16 of us that went down from from the company, all, all uh, bar and beverage people. And we did a full day of educational sessions, um, which was just fantastic to be able to put together. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Uh, well, speaking of education, you, you mentioned earlier briefly that you're teaching at ICE. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, but we got to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We're going to come right back and keep talking to uh, Sam from Porchlight uh, and uh, I can't wait to hear about what goes on at ICE. Stand by everybody.
2: I'm Chava Perivan, co-host of Agave Road Trip on HRN here to talk about 818 tequila. 818 creates their tequila using traditional methods that a family owned and operated distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. From the blue agave they grow to the recycled glass bottle 818 emphasizes the Earth's importance in all they do. Their distillery runs on biomass and solar power, which means they don't rely as much on fossil fuels and are able to reduce their carbon footprint. Their labels, corks and boxes are all certified by the Forest Stewardship Council as coming from Sustainability Managed Forests. 818 is a proud member of 1% for the Planet, through which they support HRN as well as SACRED my organization in Jalisco, where together we transform agave byproducts and water waste into adobe bricks that are donated to local infrastructure projects, like a local library in Zapotitlan de Vadillo. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their sustainability efforts and find 818 near you. 818 has been part of so many magical nights for me, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhattan, New York. 40% alcohol by volume. Drink responsibly.
3: And we are back. You are listening to the Speakeasy here on Heritage Radio Network. Today, we're talking with Sam Reiner of Porchlight, uh, Union Square Hospitality Group's first and so far only. Uh, beverage forward uh, establishment. And we were talking a little bit about ICE, the Institute of Culinary Education before we left, which apparently has a great view. And um, Sam, you've been doing a little bit of uh, of teaching there. Is that is that right? Can you tell us a little bit more about that and kind of what that that journey has been like for you? Because you started there as a student five years ago. Am I right about that?
5: Yeah, I think I said five, but I think it was actually... Six or seven at this point, but <laughs> I think I've just been saying that tracks. I think I've just been saying five for a while, so yeah, you're somewhere in the, also, the last times.
1: two years. The last two years don't count. <laughs> the view, though, Greg was from Manhattan. I taught a class for USHG at Manhattan. Ah, right. I've taught some. I've taught some classes at ICE. They don't. They don't have great views.
3: Uh, I I was at, I had to go to a a audition actually at ICE once and I had a great view. So I don't know, maybe they, maybe they just stuck you in, you know, the broom closet or something. So there,
5: yeah, yeah, I get
1: basement level treatment.
5: (laughs) There's some water views. I was
3: like, I think I got the one, I think I got the only one and everything else is just like a little, little, you know, windowless room inside of a hallway. So tell us about, about your experience there. View aside, what was that, (laughs) what has that journey been like for you?
5: Yeah, it's actually a pretty cool story of how I kind of got involved with the school in the first place. Um, Back sort of in the beginning, middle of my hospitality career, I was working at different restaurants in New Jersey and was kind of thinking, you know, how do I take my career to the next level? And what does that look like? What do I even want to do? Um, And so I took a tour of the campus when it was still over on 23rd. Um, and then, you know, really loved it, but at the time it just didn't make sense financially. And I wasn't a hundred percent sure of what direction I wanted to go in. And it seemed like, you know, a lot of commitment for not being a hundred percent certain. And so I kind of put it on the back burner, but stayed on their email distribution list. And, um, maybe a year later they sent out this blast that they were doing a scholarship competition and that. In order to, do, in order to um, enter into the competition, you had to film like a three minute video about, you know, who you are and why you want to go to the school and, you know, what you want to do with your career. And so I said, all right, why not um, film this video, uploaded it to their website, and then you had to get as many likes or votes on the on the video as possible and So put it out into the world and a lot of people shared it and somehow wound up winning this competition um, and got a full scholarship to attend the program, um, which was just phenomenal. And so I was attending school there and still working in New Jersey for several months. And at one point during class, my instructor kind of pause to say like oh this is strange i'm getting a call from somebody at union square hospitality group like normally i wouldn't pick up the phone during class but let me just take this and see what they have to say and so he comes back in the room and says that you know ushg was doing a social scavenger hunt of sorts as part of like a an offsite and so they had to run around the city and um check off all of these boxes pick pick things up you know and one of the one of the things on the scavenger hunt was to interview a culinary student. And so he comes back in and he says, someone's coming by in 10 minutes for an interview. Who wants it? We didn't know, you know, everybody in the class was asking like, what restaurant, what position? And I just kind of shot my hand up and was like, I'll do it. You know, why not? <laughs> and, um, it was <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually, uh, mark Menard, who was the founder one of the founders of porch light with daniel oh, yeah. and he showed up we had probably a 90 second interview and he was like i just opened this cool place this bar in west chelsea um you should come check it out for a trail so I said great i scheduled a trail just to kind of come spend the day but at the time you know they had said that they were fully staffed but that i was still welcome to come for a trail just to experience it and see the place and so i did and at the end of my trail um the opening gm mike shane said you know what we could probably figure it out you know like do you want to work here and i was like uh yeah i'd love to you know and he's like well what do you want to do and i said i love bartending but i'm definitely not ready for this program like would you hire me as a bar back and he so that's kind of how it all started with the ice and ushg um my journey there
1: that's pretty incredible and, and and to be clear to the listener you then on a on a kind of a whim started as a barback at porcelain and are now the gm
5: yeah and that happened in like three years
1: <laughs> that's so that's, awesome that's some, that's some <laughs> rapid ladder climbing right there I
3: was gonna say now that's a career path for you
5: yeah i think it was like there was probably only one year in between. I was thinking back of, of the uh, Fernette Barback games that I competed in, <laughs> and when I got my promotion.
4: <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> um, you're always doing some fun um, activations at USHG in general, but certainly at Porch Light. And one of the things you do over there is a, a book club of sorts, right? Um, th- th- talk a little bit. Talk a little bit about that and how that's going.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of our kind of goals for the year and beyond was um, to find a great way to be connected back with the industry, you know, sometimes being over on 11th Avenue on the very far west side of the city. Um, you know, t- people tend to think that it's like so hard to get it's to the, you the moon. We... Go ahead and say it. They think it's yeah. the moon.
1: It's a very difficult place to get. <laughs>
5: You, you do a good job of coming out to see us, though, Souther. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, Um, But so we started this book club series kind of as a way to, you know, drum up some excitement, get people over here. They're usually on Mondays, and we have live music on Mondays, so also kind of to, to plug that as well. Um, and so we've done book launch events for some really exciting cocktail books, and then it's merged into some cookbooks as well. I
1: mean, my, Um, my, my launch was there pretty nice.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Shameless. Totally. (laughs) Um, we've been doing them once a month at this point. Um, some of them were a little backlogged because the end of last year got a little hairy again, but, um, we celebrated Ivy's newest book, um, of course um we did recently a uh, launch for mason hereford and turkey and the wolves cookbook um, yeah, very
1: cool
5: yeah that one was awesome um we did the release party for the oxford companion um so those were getting in a f- 50 or 60 copies of that to a small uh <laughs> in a small <laughs> office in manhattan was <laughs> did
3: you have yeah, to you use a, a forklift to get them all in the door
1: <laughs> yeah, again, that book clocks in at a, at a hefty four plus pounds. it's a it's a tome.
5: Yeah we were we were living inside of the storage closet full of them for a while which <laughs> There's worse things to be surrounded by like a, for sure. It's like an
1: episode of hoarders.
5: <laughs>
1: yeah. you have to pick a, uh, a maze so you can just get through your office.
5: <laughs> literally. Um, this past Monday we just had an event for Melissa Clark's new cookbook, um, Dinner in one. And then we've got, next week, um, we have Tamika and Colin here with an event for their book, Black Mixolence, which is gorgeous. I got my hands on a copy already, and we're really excited to have them.
4: Yeah, they're going to be on the show next week, too.
1: Yeah, so I'll definitely make an effort to get out to the book club next Monday, and then then we'll have them on on the show next week. It'll be great.
5: Yeah, I'd love to have you we have also got um, in October, we've got Robert Simonson lined up for his new book. Um, And then in November, we've got Neil Bodenheimer coming up from New Orleans. Nice for his book launch. Yeah.
4: That's a full schedule of amazing people <laughs> and amazing books. That's so yeah, cool. it really is.
1: I wasn't even aware that Bodenheimer Bo was writing a book. Um, we should reach out to him and see if he wants to come on the show as well. But what Robert Simon's yeah. new book is coming out, and we're you're going to have him there to do a book club, and we're going to do we're, he's going to be on the show as well. He's he's on the docket already. So
5: oh, fantastic! About a little
1: crossover there between what you're doing and what we're doing.
5: I love it. We just move our season. studio
4: into the uh, the back uh, PDR of uh, Porchlight. Yeah, let's do a live episode. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'll fly out for that.
5: Any, any time. We'll keep the beef jerky flowing. Oh my god,
4: that's <laughs> you had me there. That's okay. I just got to talk real quickly about this. Okay, if if you haven't, for the listeners out there, if you haven't had the beef jerky, I mean, if, if you eat meat, whatever, or if you don't, whatever, it's cool. Your decision, but if you like beef jerky, it's some of the best beef jerky I've ever had in my life, and I'm from the south, and. So is southern. I mean, like yeah, honestly, great. okay. Great. So there's actually some some things I wanted to say about that. You know, like with Porchlight, you say it's a New York bar with a Southern accent. I think that's a better, a more suitable way of looking at uh, at Porchlight rather than thinking of it's like dive bar because dive bar, as Greg pointed out, um, you know, there's some some not so nice things about them. Uh, sometimes <laughs> I think it's just a really. It's a it's a great kind of like neighborhoody bar very southern inspired you know it's a beautiful space um, I, I think, think one of the I, things that I think makes it the- so
1: I think one of the things that makes it so welcoming in New York is is uh, you know it's unusually large for a New York bar so there's plenty of space you don't feel yeah. jammed and cramped you feel like you can kind of like spread a little relax there's rocking chairs it's got a very southern you know look to it um I, I you know i feel very comfortable with that bar
4: yeah for sure i think they did an excellent job on that and you know it actually opened in 2015 the same uh around the same time that grand army did so i remember going over there I remember nick invited me to like see the place before it was open which i always love you know if if anyone out there is opening a bar and it's not open yet please invite me because i like seeing what i like seeing the process but um i just thought it was so cool and it was yeah and from downtown brooklyn to the west side it's like it's not that hard. Everyone like, start, yeah, you know, that come that kind of on. Deal. But well, I, I, I don't know, I've man. Loved... That's like
3: a full 30 minutes on the subway. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> a tall order. Well, i would love seeing the progress. Podcast?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Listen to the speakeasy while you're on your way. <laughs> yeah,
5: exactly. I've seen,
4: I love seeing the progress of like actually building out a space. And then also seeing the actual life, as you mentioned, Greg, you know, like someone comes in and they distress the mirrors and they like kind of beat up the floor. It's like, Actually, like watching that happen in real time is is something really special. And yeah. so it's been awesome to see the growth of that place and just kind of like the, the maturation of it, if you will. And uh, also, Southern and I had our portraits hanging up in there at one point. We did. Uh, from Jill DeGraff. Yeah.
1: That's right. That's um, cool. <laughs> she did a gallery show there, and I, that's when I bought mine. And I was very timid about it. I was like, Jill, is it weird? Is it narcissistic if I buy my own painting? And she was like, oh, Souther, that's how it works. <laughs> and I was like, it was she's day actually- one. It was day one. It was going to be up for a month, I believe. And it was day one. And I said, well, I don't want to take it off the wall. You, the show just started. But I'll just pay for it. And when the show's over, I'll come get it. She goes, yep, that's how it works.
5: <laughs> she's actually part of a show that we're doing, um, launching in the beginning of November.
1: Nice. Uh, she's going to do another uh, showing at Porslight.
5: She is. Oh, that's incredible. We're going to have... Yeah, we'll have the opening party for that on November third.
1: Cool. We'll Very keep that cool. in mind, and we'll uh, we'll remind people on the show to to head up that head up that way. Is it going to be a month long again?
5: Um, this one will be a little bit longer. Okay, It'll cool. go through the the end of February. Oh,
1: Wow. Yeah. All right.
4: Nice.
1: Yeah, they
5: were generous because I was thinking that trying to change up the art in the middle of December probably wasn't mm. wasn't a good idea. <laughs> for, yeah. yeah, not <laughs> ideal.
1: Yeah. Once
4: you're, once you're in O and D, you just kind of stick with the program.
5: That's
1: it. Uh, but getting back to you, I'm curious, and maybe the listener is as well, is there anywhere, is it still on uh, Instagram or YouTube, or whatever, is there anywhere to see the video that got you the scholarship?
5: Oh, I don't <laughs> know, actually. <I> would, <laughs> I'd, have <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to look that up. I'd have to look that up.
1: Where was it posted in the first place that it got, you know, likes and votes or what have you?
5: It was on... Um, their website. Oh, okay. I got it. So it, it could, it could still be on there. We're going to find
1: it. Yeah. We're going to do some sleuthing. <laughs> we'll try, we're we're track, we'll track it down.
3: The crack team of the speakeasy is on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll post <laughs> Fantastic. We'll post it up and see if people can still vote. <laughs> 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 but that's an incredible story. Like what a, like, I don't know. You were already interested in going to the place. Then they put up this opportunity. Then you seized it and then you got it. Then you went on to just throw your hand in the air to take an interview with Mark and, and then Michael Shane took you on, love both those guys, great guys in the industry. Uh, and then to have your rise at that spot, and I assume, we haven't asked, but your enthusiasm seems to agree that you love it there, yeah?
5: I do. I've been here for seven years now.
1: I mean, that's so crazy, brilliant. Um, and yeah. a, a, was this your first bar job?
5: Um, it was my first bar job in Manhattan. I'd worked in New Jersey for several years at different bars and restaurants, and mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was my first first bar job in New York. And while I was in school, before meeting Mark, I would, had gone to so many kind of random bars and restaurants because I didn't really know what I was doing. And everybody was just like turning me away and saying, like, you need New York experience to work here. I'm like, well, seems like I'm never going to get that if I don't have any New York experience. Right,
1: right, can't get the job because you don't have experience, don't have experience because you can't get the job. Right. but. <laughs>
5: it definitely turned out for the better um and yeah so then i they were looking for a part-time instructor last year and um kind of threw my name in that hat too and wound up getting my teaching certificate and i've been doing that um one or two days a week for for about a year um which has been a whole nother journey you know it's one thing to to do your job and then it's a whole other to start to teach it and i think like you know i learned a lot about myself for sure in that sure. process and mm-hmm. it really definitely shows any gaps you know that i might have had and like any process or understanding of something and so i feel like for any topic right like you're learning as you're teaching and so it just feels like this great way for me to continue to to grow and and I love the atmosphere of being in a classroom and, you know, everyone's there for the same reason. And they've made this conscious decision to, to be a part of this program. Um,
4: yeah. It's like the only thing you can't teach in, in this industry is how to care. Right. I mean, like it's, it's one thing, that's the one thing you can teach cooking and making cocktails and wine and all the stuff. But like, I mean, they've already made the decision that they, they want to be in hospitality. So that's like the first step. And so you get the fun part, <laughs> everything sure. else.
5: And I've hired a couple of people from there too, which is really, really cool to kind of like continue that cycle. Oh, you
1: are got a direct yeah, line. You're, yeah. You're yeah. seeding your own pool there. That's great. Totally. You know, you're shaping them the way you want them shaped before they even get there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's pretty great.
4: <laughs> They've already started training. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: auto, auto recruitment. That's good. Uh, well, what's next? What do you got uh, fun and upcoming on, on the horizon there at Portslite?
5: Um, we just released our fall menu which is awesome to see you know this we finally i think for the first time since we reopened have a really full bar team um you know we've been kind of as everyone has been understaffed so we've been a little scrappy for a while but we had a full bar team for this menu rollout and our head bartender ben um really took the charge you know with with Nick by his side and um, it was great to see everyone come together and bring some cool, cool cocktails to the table, and so we're really proud of this fall menu. Um, and then, in a blink of an eye, it'll be eggnog season again. So we got that coming up.
1: Nice. <laughs> yeah, wow. a blink of an eye is right. Time, time seems to slip by in a, in a crazy way these days.
5: I've already hired a DJ for New Year's Eve. It feels oh, crazy. That's, <laughs> some, that's some early wow.
1: planning. Skip, skip, <laughs> uh, skip right over Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, and go directly to New Year's Eve. With do not, do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Um, well, that's exciting stuff. I can't wait to come up and see um, Colin uh, uh, releasing his book. Uh, what's it called? Again, I'm looking through the notes. Black Mixolence. Yeah, that's going to be cool. Yes. And then to have uh, he and Tamika on the show next week will be very just serendipitous, frankly. Um, and I can't wait to see your face, uh, next Monday as well. Then certainly can't wait for Jill's stuff to be hanging all over the bar again. It, it's gorgeous stuff and it makes the bar look really, I don't know, fun and happy. Um, and really appreciate having you on the show.
5: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. A, a real delight. Thanks so much for chatting with us and hanging out on the speakeasy. Um, thanks again to uh, Sam for being here but I think before we go gents we all set off air before we ended the show we wanted to talk a little bit about the departing of our our friend brother Cleve mm-hmm. um, and what a, what a loss it is to the community at large um, just uh, uh, you know an amazing bartender uh, uh, passed away quite suddenly he was traveling he was in LA uh, all signs point to it. it was a heart attack which is still shocking only uh, 10 years older than me I think he was 63 um, a good friend to us all, a real champion of the sort of exotica and tiki movements. Um, and, and in both the music and the drinks world, right? Like he played for the Del Fuegos and Combustible Edison. He toured all over the world. So Mm -hmm. a real, a real drag to, to have him, uh, leave the party early as we say, Yeah,
4: man, um, real powerhouse. And you know, it's one of those things where You just never know, man. So you got to treat your time, treat your people, treat everyone, you know, like it might be the last day because it could be, you know.
3: Yeah. And I I mean, I, I remember like very, very early on when I was just starting to get into this whole world of like taking, you know, bartending and cocktails more seriously. And I had this this I had, I think, one episode of an upstart little podcast that's now called back bar out. And I was going to Tales of the cocktail and I just sent a bunch of emails to a bunch of people like, Hey, I do this thing. I'd love to meet up. Didn't hear from 98% of them. And I remember brother Cleve was like, yeah, man, let's do brunch. You know? So hung out (laughs) with him, got to meet him, got to chat with him. I doubt that he would have remembered it, but it it always made an impression on me that he was this guy who had met so many people in the industry and was connected to so many folks. And when I just sent it totally cold called him, me as like a little nobody that he was like, yeah, let's hang out and was genuine and warm and helpful. And uh, yeah, well, from what I hear, that was not a unique experience for me. And he'll clearly, you know, be missed by a lot of people.
1: Yeah, the guy was, um, I think one of the most unique things about him was that he fell in love with, you know, sort of tiki slash exotica cocktails at a very young age. When he was still in high school, he was in a band that was touring. And he wandered into a tiki bar, and that set him off. But then he also played in bands forever and toured all over, and just sought out those bars when he was traveling. And couple that with the fact that he has a tremendous had had a tremendous memory and great recall, it, just an incredible storyteller. You know, loved being around him at any time. He told some of the greatest stories I think I've ever heard.
4: Well, I yeah. hope, hope he's resting in paradise now.
1: I reckon he is. You know, uh, I, if I try and make myself laugh a little bit about it, I think, well, he was he was traveling all his life and uh, he, he wound up passing in L.A., but his body still has to travel back home. So he's still on tour. Um, there you go. <laughs> the, the Reverend St. Dr. Brother Cleveland Donut Duncan Esquire, Jr. from the Church of the Sub Genius. Uh, this guy will be tremendously missed in our community, and we're very, very sad to have him go so soon. Um, I know that there's going to be some events going on. Um, at Lullaby, which is the bar that he just opened this summer here in the Lower East side of Manhattan. Um, and I'm certain that we'll see that there'll be some events going on uh, up in Boston where he really uh, ruled that, that that's where he called yeah. home. So we're, we're missing you dearly, brother Cleve. We're, we're sad to see you go.
4: Well, I think we should all raise a glass for him right now.
1: I have one in my hand already. All right. Yeah, same. Well. All right, gents.
4: Cheers, Brother Cleve! Cheers, everyone. We'll see you next week.
1: Indeed. Cheers. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.